There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back. This is part two of my stomp with Vicky Patson in Waltham Abbey. If you've not listened to part one, make sure you go back and start from the beginning. It's a very good place to start, it's isn't it? It's a good place to start from the beginning, I would say so. I know what's very interesting with journeys, though. You can stop and start, can't you? Like with my podcast, you kind of get to a point, sometimes you need a break, sometimes you go backwards a bit. You've got to go backwards sometimes to go forward, right? There's that saying again, isn't there? And it's like sometimes the only way to go forward in life is to retreat. Yeah. And I think, like, I'm often really hard on myself, you know, about my start, especially like my start in this industry. Yeah. And I'm really critical and I'm really keen to not be reminded yeah. of it. And, you know, I want people to think of me as Vicky from the jungle or Vicky from MasterChef rather than yeah. Vicky from Geordie yeah. Shaw. But actually, like, it's dead unfair. Because if I didn't do Geordie Shaw yeah. and if I didn't have that period of my life, yeah. A, I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't have the amazing platform I've got, be doing lovely things like this yeah. with you. Oh, bless you. But also, like, I wouldn't be who I am. Yeah. I wouldn't be... Everything's part of your yeah. life and your journey. I mean, love and me, like, it's, it's part of it. I'm not defined by that. You're not defined... And to be honest, to be perfectly honest with you, I have, I'm not going to talk to you much about Geordie Shaw for many different reasons, because I... Well, first of all, I actually forget, quite frankly, that you're even on it. Love And you. I think you've done... So, no, but you've done, you've done so, so much more than that mm. part of your life. And I am, quite frankly, not in a rude way, not interested in that, that, that mm. aspect of the, t- of the TV, of the show. I'm interested in all the stuff you've done since. For example, you, you, are, you are, I think, one of the pioneers in being in body image online. I think you've led the way in, in a lot of ways with female body image. I, I think you've also helped start a conversation around male body image as well, because men are going, well, hang on, maybe we need to start thinking. But I certainly watch, look, put it like this, right? I see you, I've been following you for a long time. When I see your posts going, look, this is how I look in this photo, this is how I look in this one, this is how I look in this one, and you see that, you know, you're beautiful in, you're beautiful, but in all different ways, we're all perfectly imperfect, and you celebrate that imperfection. It makes me go, well, hang on, maybe I need to be a bit kind to myself, and I started trying to post stuff that's a bit but more I love your content, Al. Like, I love it. Like, I see it, and I just go, this man is, in, he's do, you're doing so much for that dialogue about men accepting their bodies, and there's not enough fellas out there doing it. So much toxic masculinity, and it yeah, must be so, so, so difficult for fellas. Like, yeah. even Erkan, right? Yeah. I look at him, and all I see is mm. this like handsome, beautiful man who's mm. kind to me that I've chosen to like spend yeah. the rest of my life with. But he looks at a picture of himself and he sees all the things he doesn't like yeah. and he picks himself apart. And yeah. I see him scrolling on Instagram at all these like fitness models and influencers yeah. and stuff, and I can see his mood changing, yeah. his body language changes, and he becomes harder on himself. And I think, no. The world needs more Dr. Alex's talking about positive body image in men. It needs more Russell Cain's yeah. talking about men's mental health, you know? Like, let's just accept that life is hard enough as it is without trying to be something you're not yeah. or putting unrealistic pressure on yourself. Like, let's just be honest and open and accept that bodies move. 
perfect isn't possible and that is all okay yeah. we're fabulously flawed yeah. and we should be celebrating that i think it's it's true that and I, I think i grew up with a mindset that you know if i saw like guys growing up with like ripped and ridiculous shape and people on tv like I see david beckham and you think god that guy must be so happy because yeah, he looks do. so good and you then you that? go actually if you went into that person's mind they, they turn around and go, actually, no, because I hate this about me, I hate that about me, I yeah. hate this. Like, you know, people, it's funny, and, and people, what you might see as a real strength, the person might see a flaw. I'll use my own case in point. I, I have always hated my height. Only until the last, what? honestly, only in the last, only that the last... That would kill to be your height! <laughs> a few, until, honestly, well into my 20s, I felt really uncomfortable and tall. I tried to make myself look shorter. Definitely when I was a teenager, I hated Mad. it. Mad. Now this I'm like, I, oh, but I own it. But it's interesting, and that's sort of the whole point, I guess, is that it's all about your perception, mm. you know. And in a way, the beauty in the eye of the beholder is actually often, I think, as much to yourself as anyone else. Yeah. And we always find flaws, and it's a shame because... Actually, if you step back and look in the mirror and you go, actually, there's loads of things you can love about yourself and think, John, I'm happy about. Maybe my new highlights I won't love. I don't know. <laughs> Other than my highlights. I love them. I think it's um, a summer look. You're too kind. You're it's being kind. It's a summer look. It's not for the winter, is it? By then, shave no, it babes. off. Oh, no, we have to go back dark for okay, the winter. Go back dark That's for how winter. it has to go. But I think it is so important. I hope people like listening to this who, who, have done, who are the same as I. Like, first of all, we definitely, as same as everyone else, are susceptible to the same things. You know, if I see something, not necessarily about body image, but I might say, see. Um, I don't know, see someone like getting up really early and working really hard, I think, oh gosh, I'm terrible for that. I'm kind of criticise myself if I rest too much. And I've, over the years, had to retrain and re... Yeah. Re-kind of... Calibrate Calibrate my mind of going, actually, there's not, it's not, you're not winning just because you're up at five in the morning working ridiculous hours and doing all this kind of stuff. That's not success in itself. That that is not just you, babe. That was absolutely a mindset that was encouraged. Like, I used to think success and hard work and dedication, being whatever. I used to think that was having no rest days, no time off. I used to wear it like a badge of honour that I'd worked from nine till nine. I used to be like, haven't had a second, so sorry, absolutely exhausted. And I used to be, I used to take real pride in that. Now, I know that if you want to be a successful person, if you want to be more than that, a happy person, then rest is imperative. Like, I've now, and this is again a practice that was put to me by my life coach and something I swear by. So I number my days. And I understand that in order to, for me, who is a type A person, like in order for me to be happy, I have to have some number, some number four days. Okay, so the type of day. Yeah, remember, exactly, right. yeah. I love so, it, I've never heard of this. Have you okay. not, right? No, no, I've not, I'm not telling me. So number four days are... Yeah. Up at five. Okay. You go and do Lorraine. Yeah. Or you go and do like breakfast radio. You then go straight from that to, I don't know, a photo shoot, press, then an event, then there's something else in the evening, you know? Yeah. It's chocker, it's fast paced, you're Busy on day. the whole time. Yeah. It's a number four, yeah. high octane, strong. Then you have your number threes. So maybe as you podcast in the morning, in the afternoon, like you go to a book launch, in the evening, you know, you have some friends around still quite busy you, it will drain your social battery will be a lot of like you're required you to think you won't get a lot of downtime but it's not as stressful as a day four yeah. then your day twos you're working from home mate just yeah. a couple of zooms you maybe yeah. get a training session in it's more chilled there's more time for you but these are the golden days and these are the yeah. days that i used to hate i didn't yeah. used to allow myself your day ones you do fuck all 
Yeah. You lie on the sofa, you walk the dog, yeah. you barely go on social media, you wear a face mask, you have a bath, you read a book, yeah. you do whatever brings you peace. And if you are going to be that best, bright, shiny version of you on your day fours, smashing it, meeting everybody, everybody loving you, you being great, then your day ones, they are imperative. And we need to allow ourselves them. And we need to stop making ourselves feel yeah. guilty for them as well. I really like that. I really like that concept. It's almost like it's almost like those day ones pay for your day fours. Hundred and ten percent. Because it's like the whole thing. So if you just had con- consistently day fours, you're going to burn out. It's like a marathon runner. Say, so right, marathon runner, run every day, run a marathon every single day. What's going to happen? You might be super fit, ultra fit. Oh, you're going to burn out. Gonna you're going to get out. injured. So you have to. You have to. Now that leads us nicely on to the fact that let's be frank, you do so much stuff. I mean, you've got books, you've got you've done TV, you've done radio. You've I done, am a busy so you bear. Are, you are a busy, busy bear for sure. Now, I'm very proud of your most recent accomplishment. Well, there's two things I'm very proud of uh, that you've recently done. First of all, is your book, number oh. one Sunday Times bestseller. Thanks. Talk to us a little bit about your book, because I think, and I, first of all, please go and read it. I mean, oh. it, it. Please go and buy it and read it if you haven't, you must. Why did you sit down and write it? What, what was it that was like, now is the right time? Because you've been practicing and, and practicing, not just preaching, practicing a lot of what's in that book for a long time. Why is it now that you decided to write it? So the book, so thank you so much for your kind words, by the way. You're a very nice man. That's yeah, true. Um, the book was um, a product. It was sort of born of the podcast. So yeah. the podcast is obviously called The Secret 2. Which I was on. Please go listen to it. I'm actually definitely going to ask you to do it again as well. I your episode it. I did so well. I loved it. I loved it. Um, but yeah, so The Secret 2 with all my amazing guests, people like you, people like Eamon Holmes, Catherine Ryan, Fern McCann, Pete Wicks. And we get these like fab celebs on and they give a secret to something, you know, a healthy mind, um, a strong relationship, learning to love the skin you're in, whatever it is. And I gave little bits of advice on that, but never really delved too much into my life because obviously the focuses were fantastic guests. And I kind of realized that after everything I've gone through, because I do feel like even though I'm only 34 and sometimes I make myself sound like I'm fucking 74 yeah, by the way I go on, but <laughs> I've crammed a lot of life into like a short space of you time have, and I'm always going to be the girl with a grazed knee, you know? I'm, I'm never going to be, have it and all... that's beautiful. F- yeah. That is beautiful though. I'm never going to have it all figured out and stuff and actually it's kind of set me in really good stead because I have had me heartbroken. Mm. I have had... A complicated relationship with my body, you know. I have struggled with my mental health, so I wanted to write a bit of a self-help book for that wasn't self-righteous. Yeah. That wasn't like wake up at five a.m., do sunrise yoga, give your do your manifestations, do your affirmations, give birth to an avocado. Like I, I just. I'm not that girl. And I wanted there to be something out there for all the women who aren't that girl as well, you know? Like, I wanted to say, listen, lasses, if you think your life's hard or if you think you've messed up or you think you've made a mistake, fucking read mine. (laughs) Like, We've all done it. Yeah, we've We've all all been there. And I just wanted to give, like, anybody going through something, whether it be a horrible breakup, a fallout with your family, feeling a bit purposeless, you know? Lost, not knowing quite what your direction is in life. I wanted to give them hope yeah. that actually, like, I've had all of that and I am finally happy. So your happiness is out there. So that's what the secret of happy is. It's, it's my love letter to anybody who's feeling like I've felt. It's almost like, uh, what I like is that what you've done is not gone on and go, right, do, do this, this and this is going to make you really happy. It's going, well, actually, you can do all of these things and make 
all these kind of mistakes and failures which we all have and still be happy and still learn from it and be happy. And I think it brings me on to an important thing I'd like to talk about. And I mentioned actually when we were in Manchester, one of the fears I have for young people growing up now is we are in an incredibly unforgiving world. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but a lot of the stuff that maybe would have happened on TV and reality TV 15, 20 years ago, you get cancelled for now. And this cancel culture, I think, oh, is, yeah. for me, is one of the biggest threats to people learning. I'm not talking about people being found out to be a, you know, to have murdered someone or whatever. I'm talking about people making Raging mistakes. Ignorance. Ignorance, making mistakes, doing things wrong. If we start cancelling everyone and you know being away where oh you're not going to be friends with you because you made that mistake, how are people going to learn? Because to be human is to make mistakes and oh, to be absolutely. human is imperfect. So, you know, how do we learn from that? I see so much of it online. People are so quick. I'm not just talking about celebrities. I'm just talking about whether it's political figures, whether it's people working in businesses, whether it's companies and brands. Everyone's so afraid to make a mistake. I mean, look what happened with a very recent public case that happened and everyone and all these brands pulled out and they look rather, rather oh, silly now. Do they not? not? We won't mention directly, but they do look rather silly. But that's because they're so afraid of being cancelled. So I, what do we do? How, do? how do we solve that? And is it, do you think it is a big worry? I've never been one of these people who, like, jumps on the bandwagon, you know? Like... I kind of march to the beat of my own drum. Yeah. Maybe that's because I have made so many mistakes and I know how easy it is to make mistakes. But what I believe truly, right, is that you are under no obligation to be the same person that you were five years ago, five months ago, five weeks ago, five minutes ago. Life is about growth yeah. and ev evolution and being better and constantly striving to be this happy, wonderful version of you. And that growth doesn't happen overnight. And it also doesn't happen if you never make a mistake. Yeah. And learn from it. Yeah. And, be, and be allowed to learn from it. So, you know, when I started working as a doctor, I was really, I'm, I've always been quite a perfectionist. I've always been very type A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I started working as a doctor, I was so worried about making a mistake. And I said to the consultant, but, I, I mean, like, it's Gosh. pretty big stakes yeah. like, in, but, it, but, in but the but medical then, world. But, but, the, but the reality is that even though stakes are high, mistakes happen. And I said to the consultant, he said, listen, if you're so worried about making mistakes all the time, you're more, actually more like, A, you're more likely to make a mistake. Get in your own head. But exactly. secondly, he said, honestly, I can tell you, every doctor will make mistakes. And if a doctor tells you they have never made a mistake, there's two options. Either yeah. one, they're lying. Oh, yeah. Or secondly, they've not practiced long enough. Yeah. So it's going to happen eventually. It doesn't mean that mistake means a catastrophe. It might be an error you spotted or whatever. But yeah. if you kind of in this tight field of I can't make a mistake, I can't, you'd be so worried about not making a mistake that you do. And if, I think the most important thing, and I've learned this, is that when you make a mistake, hold the mirror up, look in the mirror and oh, think, yeah. where did I go? What, what is my accountability and what's happened? Yeah. What can I change? Make the changes that you can make, make the apologies you need to make, and then move on. Forgive yourself. I think seeking forgiveness from others, I think, is a is something that is just entirely unhelpful because your your validation is basically relying on the opinions of others. You're never going to please everybody, are you? Forgiving yourself is one of the best things you can learn to do. Saying, do you know what? I made a mistake. I forgive myself and I move on. And that's why I don't, I don't, I don't stand by the whole cancellation, cancel stuff that's going on because you're basically teaching people that they cannot make a mistake and they cannot move on from it, which is wrong. No, do you know what? I agree with everything you've said, Alan. Like, I suppose, like, as a society, we've still got loads to learn and, like, we all need to improve, you know? But, no, I'd certainly encourage people to take a minute and understand we're all human because the same people who jump on the bandwagon, demand people be cancelled and all that, like, they'd be the ones who are 
wanting people to give them a minute yeah. if they make exactly. a mistake, you know? So put yourself exactly. in the person's shoes, yeah. give them a second, allow yeah. people to apologise, grow, like you say, hold the mirror up and just, oh, let's just be kinder yeah. to each other. Now, the second thing I want to talk about, and it's a very personal thing for you, and, you know, you, you've made a documentary. I mean, you did a lot of TV, but I suspect, I don't know, but the, the recent documentary that you've recorded may be, may be one of the more difficult ones. Tough slog, mate. Like, I've literally just um, just recorded the voiceover for yeah. it this week. and I was saying, you've li you have quite literally been... You've just finished it, right? It doesn't sound... Yes, it's literally just this week, um, sort of, we finished production and yeah. the post-production, adding the voiceover and stuff like that. So um, I, uh, I've been really honest throughout most of my career about my about everything about my life. I'm quite yeah. a candid person. But one of the things I kept close to my chest until recent years was my dad's illness. Mm -hmm. It's not my story to tell, for starters. That's yeah. always how I felt. Um, and I had a very complicated relationship with alcohol myself. And up until recently, didn't feel ready to, to talk about it because I hadn't worked it out. You know, I still was trapped in unhealthy cycles. I was still um, practicing really toxic habits and caught up in a bit of self-sabotage. So it didn't feel right to pontificate about it when I was still struggling so much myself. Um, but in the last few years, I'd say probably, probably since turning 30, yeah. so like three, four years, um, I've had real breakthroughs and I'm really happy in my personal life. And I think when you are really content, you can take a second to reflect yeah. on past mistakes and how you want your future to look and things you need to change if that's going to be possible. So now felt like the right time to make it, but it didn't make it any easier, if that makes yeah. sense. It's, it's hard, I think, when, when it's something maybe you've lived with and, and kind of it's been a big part of your life. But as you said, it's not always... Not everything is our story to tell, but in the same, but at the same time, giving people the opportunity to share that story and the impact and the way they can help others is, I guess, it's the really important. It's an important part of it, isn't it? Yeah. And it makes that telling that telling that story as hard as it can be, probably, let's be honest, can help quite a lot of people. For honest. Well, that's what that's what I want to do. You know, there's um, there's a huge stigma surrounding like addiction and alcoholism and everything, and I think for people that haven't experienced it firsthand there is kind of a misconception that there's some sort of, like, selfishness or... Yeah. And, you know, I struggled with that. Like, for years, I used to question me, question me dad and think, why doesn't he love me enough to just stop so was drinking? It from, was it from a young age that you drank? Yeah, so my dad has always struggled with yeah. his relationship with alcohol and his dependency. Yeah. So I think yeah. um, I, I am... As any child of an, yeah. of an alcoholic can attest, it's difficult and it um, leaves a profound effect on you, you know. So I want to shed light on the illness. I want people to exercise a little bit more compassion yeah. towards people struggling with addiction. Yeah. And also I want people to understand a little bit more about their relationships with alcohol. It's very true. It's very I true. Think lockdown might have exacerbated a lot of people's underlying yeah. issues. Yeah, people went kind of two different ways. I think in terms of the the documentary, we won't talk any more about the kind of what you what you guys go into because I think it's really important that people watch it in the context of the whole documentary and and have the the documentary have the space to breathe in the way that people understand. And but I would like to talk a little bit more outside of that. Yeah, about that kind of 
I guess, modern-day relationships with alcohol because, interestingly, younger generations are drinking less that, alcohol I've heard that. and I've becoming heard much that. more mindful with their, with their drinking. But I, let's be honest, we're both in our 30s. In our teens and our 20s, it was glorified getting... Oh, yeah. You know, medics among the worst, like everyone just partying really hard. And, and I just think I've had to, over the years, kind of look a little bit at the relationship with, that, with alcohol and just think, you know, where is that safe balance? And that's why I've started drinking like non-alcoholic drinks. Um, I've that's also such started, a culture well, recently, that's taken off yeah, now, isn't it? Yeah, it has. And, and actually, do you know what? Very recently, like I've, 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 it's only been a week, but I've kind of gone, do you know what? I'm going to have a week or so off. And actually, at the moment, I'm thinking about just having a good break for it. And I, I'd say to anyone, if you haven't recently had a break from alcohol, I'm not talking about necessarily if you're drinking every night, whatever. I'm just saying, if you hadn't had a couple of weeks of no alcohol yeah. at all, it's actually quite nice to do. You get a reset, you get a refresh. You can, it's like any relationship. If you've got, a, you know, you've got your boyfriend or your girlfriend, whatever, sometimes just stopping and assessing where you are and what is your relationship, other things that we can change, things that are better. If you think of alcohol in that way, it's probably a similar beneficial thing to kind of look at it and go, is it giving me what I need? What is my purpose with alcohol? Is it, is it the pros outweighing the cons? Like, what, what is it that I need to tweak? No, I mean, you're so right. Like, I'd... I advocate for um, prolonged periods of sobriety because of my very addictive personality and obviously my dad's illness, you know. So I do things like Dry Jan, Sober October. I actually am just all, I drink more mindfully now yeah. as someone in their 30s than yeah. I ever did as someone We just in can't the... get away with the hangover, let's be honest. Oh, honestly, like, I'm just not cut out for it anymore. I'm a huge fanny. <laughs> it's not good. I'm a total whinge. Like, if I've got things to do... Oh, I make a big fuss. If I'm hungover, everyone oh, knows. Oh, yeah. Every, everybody knows. Yeah, I think that's only... I think that's... I think that's fair. Honestly, they're the worst. But, yeah, I, I think we, we all need to be aware that... Alcohol is a depressant. It can feel like a great idea at the time, but abusing it has huge long-term ramifications on your health. And listen, I'm not self-righteous. I'm not preachy. Everyone's seen my very complicated relationship with alcohol, but I'm learning. And I just would like people to be really mindful and aware of their relationships as well, because it's, it's, it's a very dangerous one. It can be, and I think it's. I think it goes back to that point. Like, what is the purpose of alcohol, and why are you using it? If any of you are affected by this conversation on alcohol, you want to find out areas or sources of support, we're going to put links in the show notes. So please do go and have a look. Thank you so much for listening to part two of this episode with me and Vicky in Waltham Abbey. I've linked Vicky's book, The Secret to Happy, in the show notes, and make sure you keep an eye out for her documentary, Vicky Patson, My Dad, Alcohol, and Me which will be airing on Channel 4 soon. If you've not finished stomping yet, make sure you go and listen to part three or come back another time to enjoy the last part. See you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.